0: We're going to be looking at the Bible together as we think about what it means to, to love as followers of Jesus. And then, So do, do take your seats, by the way. Yeah. I think that um, at the heart of this, this little series we're doing is the words of Jesus when he commands his disciples, don't love like the people around you love, like the Gentiles love. They're quite good at loving people who love them back. They're quite good at throwing parties and and then um, going and being invited back, and all that kind of thing, and and yet Jesus seemed to say there's something qualitatively different about the way my people should love one another, and I think there's a real challenge for us as a church because we're called to embrace a life of love because we've been loved by God Himself and unconditionally loved by our Father in heaven, and yet so often the quality of our love isn't really very different from anyone else. You know, it's so easy for us to get into our friendship groups and our little cliques and. And, and be nice to people and nice back to us, without that kind of radical unity and embrace that, that God has in his heart for people to love people. And I think that in many ways, churches are an experiment in love. One, one of my own kind of journeys is living in community. And as you know, I've lived in a community with uh, over 20 people for 27 years, um, just up the road from here. And we've been living with different nations and ages and trying to love one another. And honestly, it's been a very enriching thing to do. And it's been challenging. But um, it felt like we want to try and put this kingdom stuff into practice. But, but I hope that actually, as a community, we can really do that. And and one person that we've we've had and kind of welcomed into our community, to at least to a degree, is a lady called Anita Shed-Evan. And I've known Anita for a long time. She was a student at Bristol, actually, um, and had a, a major breakdown as a student. But um, she, she was quite infirm mentally, but incredibly generous with her spirit. You know, uh, I think... Um, she was always giving gifts and writing cards and um, and and being warm and affectionate and um, and we're actually we, she's from a Hindu background and, and yet I think she she felt a place of, of family here. Now sadly she passed away last week and she she had um, a, a cancer of the bone and probably minimised it as far as I was I, I knew she was unwell but I didn't know how unwell she was but she she's she's actually died and her her. Committal is going to be at Canford Crematorium on the 21st, on this Wednesday. So if people felt they knew Anita would like to show up, um, I'm sure Sonia, who's sitting right at the back, They'll give us a wave, Sonia. Sonia had a lot to do with um, Anita in the last year or two, and she'd be to, happy to tell you more about how you can just express your condolences to the family if you'd like to do that. But I just want to pray for Anita, committed to God. Um, she famously kind of went up for prayer ministry at Community Church one day, and they said, what would you like prayer for? And she said, I'd like to have Dave Mitchell's babies, but that, that never happened, you know. But um, she she just was a just an amazing, if rather unusual person. <laughs> but um, I just commit, commit her to Jesus. Father God, I want to thank you so much for for the loving person that Anita was, and um, we want to commit her to the, the arms of the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow at all, who loves and cares for all of us. And um, we ask for your blessing on her family as they, as they mourn, and, and um, we pray, Lord God, that you to help us to stand with them at this time. Bring your comfort in Jesus' name. Amen. And now Rachel's going to lead us on.
1: Thank you, Dave. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. My name's Rachel. If we haven't met before, I'm always here at the 11. Actually, I'm not always, but I am mostly here at the 11. I love this congregation. And um, this morning, as Dave has nicely set me up for, we are exploring the topic of love in the context of relationships and how we do that well. How do we kind of push ourselves to kind of step into what God's vision for us is as individuals and as a church? But before I do that, I want to tell you a little bit of a story about my mum. Now, it was about, I think it was about 10 years ago, and I was away with a bunch of girlfriends in Cornwall having a bit of a jolly, and my phone rang um, really early um, on the Saturday morning, and it, it was my brother, and I was a little bit confused. I answered the phone, it was my brother, he said, don't panic, but mum has had a heart attack. And so I immediately panicked, because my mum had had a heart attack, and um, But what had happened is that she had been really well and doing fine, but unbeknown to her, her heart, or one of the valves, was getting furred up and clogged, and it caused her to have a heart attack, and fortunately, my dad was really um, brilliant and gave her an aspirin, drove her to hospital, and um, she had surgery to insert a stent into her archery, I think it was. I might have got that wrong, but into the place that needed to go. And that enabled the flow of blood to get right into her heart, around her heart, and out into her body again. Now, that little story is illustrative to us of how often our hearts can get really clogged up by all sorts of things in life. And none of us are immune to that. None of us are immune to when our hearts get really like, oh, Tough or hard or wounded. They feel constricted, maybe, or small. And what we're going to talk today about is how we live not from that place, but from a place where our hearts are big and expanded and expanding. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek, like most of you, or many of you might know. And so they have lots of words for love. We have one word for love. I love my husband. I also love rice pudding. It doesn't seem to kind of equate, does it, that I have to say, actually, I don't even like rice pudding. I don't even know where I said that. Chocolate. I love chocolate. I really love my husband. Um, But, you know, they're both equal loves of mine. But that just doesn't seem right, does it? Because obviously I love my husband much more than I love chocolate. Really, I do. And, but in the Greek language, there are several words for love. And also in the Greek language, when they talk about the heart, when you read the Gospels and the, the letters of Paul, he talks about the heart a lot. And what they're talking about, the heart, is not the heart that is kind of pumping blood around our body and making us live. They're talking about the heart as the centre of who we are, our mind, our soul, our passions, our wants, our decision-making, our our kind of will, Our, you know, it's the center of who we are. It's the thing that makes us move forward. It's the thing that makes us kind of make decisions and choices and leads us in life. And so when they're talking about the heart, that's what they're talking about. It's almost like part of the gut as well, like head, heart, soul, gut. It's the kind of combination of all of them. So that's what we're going to be talking about, how we have hearts that are moved by God's love. How we actually access all that God has given to us so that we can share it with others. Romans 5 says, God has poured out his love into our hearts. Love starts with God. He pours it into us so we can share it with others. That's the, the trajectory of the process. And in Matthew 22, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's just that image of where Jesus is saying your heart and your mind and your soul, he's not separating them out. He's saying it's the center of who you are. Love God with the center of who you are and love your neighbor in the same way. It's a high challenge for us, isn't it? Now, let's just unpack love a little bit from the New Testament perspective. And there's four words that I want to just quickly run through that might be helpful as we think about love and as we think about this whole topic. The first one is eros. It's that powerful sexual love. It's desire. It's the, it's the type of love that we have when we fall in love with somebody. It's the love that is strong. It needs boundaries. It needs control. We can't just act on eros love. We have to kind of rein it in because it's a really powerful, um, yeah, love in our lives. And if it's unchecked, it can actually cause chaos. Somebody once said that eros love helps you to fall in love with somebody, but it's not going to help you to stay in love with somebody. It has, it's like that powerful uh, kind of an initial sort of pull on our lives. Sorge is family love or love like family. It's a love that helps you to know your home. You're in a safe place. You've found where you belong. It's a love which makes us feel secure in a world that feels very insecure. It's a love that some of us have really experienced, but it's also a love that for some of us we haven't experienced, and we haven't got that kind of framework in our lives where we've had a secure, loving um, family that has provided that safe place for us. But actually, it's a love that we really want the church to imitate and be like, like Dave was saying. We want the church to be a place of love like that, where people can find their place. We don't always get it right. We don't. But that's what we're going for. Philia is a love that is used around friendship. A love that sticks close like a brother. A love that tracks with you through the highs and the lows of your life, the ups and the downs, A love that is like sticks close. Um, an Old Testament example of that is maybe David and Jonathan. They weren't brothers, but they, had, they loved like brothers. They, they stuck with each other through thick and thin. There was a real sort of special bond. Also, that's a love I think that we can experience in our midweek church, in our small gatherings. There are, I've got friends that I've had that... Um, I've met in church when I was years and years and years ago, not even in this church, that I'm still tracking with now, that still care about me, that are still for me, that are still with me. Friendship is just so important, isn't it? We need friends. We need other people to be in life with us because it is really hard to do it alone. And actually in church, we need friends too. We need friends to look out for one another, people to, you know, do you know people? Do people know you? We want really to be a place like that. And finally, there's agape love. Agape love is a love that is based on who Jesus is. It's a love that if you want an example of what agape love looks like, you just look at Jesus, how he interacted with people, how he lived, how he loved others, how he laid down his life sacrificially, How he cared for those that were vulnerable. How he lifted people up out of their desperate situations. How he spotted people in the crowd and saw that they needed attention. How he laid down his life for his friends. Going to the cross for you and for me. Not caring about his own life, but caring about others' lives above that. So if you want to know what agape love looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know how to do agape love, get to know Jesus. Follow his teachings. Get to know him in scripture. He is who we're aiming at. And when you read the word love in the New Testament, mostly it's talking about agape love. It's calling us to be people that live like Jesus And it's a high bar, isn't it? Goodness, it's a high bar. It's a standard that Jesus is kind of calling us up to. And it means not just loving people who are like us, who like the things that we like, and who get us, but loving people who aren't like us, who are different from us, who look different, who sound different, who come from different backgrounds, who have different challenges. That's the love that we're being called to. I want to read a little bit of scripture from Colossians. And it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And Paul actually, as he writes this letter, is in prison. So he's writing from sort of captivity, but he's caring for the church in Colossae. And he wants to encourage them and to, and to strengthen them. He's obviously writing, like often the letters, they're writing into a situation. So he's heard something in the church that is not going right. And there's there's some stuff that he needs to correct. And this is what he says to the church in Colossae. It's relevant to us as well. It's going to come on the screen. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's unpack it a little bit. Firstly, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, do you feel dearly loved this morning? If I said, Oh, how are you doing today? How, how, are, you, how are you feeling, dearly loved? I guess most of, most of us wouldn't answer like that, would they? We wouldn't, we, because it just sounds a bit, a bit kind of Christian. And most of us probably don't even feel it. We don't feel dearly loved. In fact, someone came to me this morning and gave me a word of encouragement. They said they've been praying for me this morning, and they gave me this word of encouragement. And my initial reaction on receiving that encouragement was like, oh, really, me? That was my initial reaction. But actually, we are dearly loved. God loves every single one of you in this room. You may not feel it. You may not feel worthy of it. You may feel like, oh my gosh, if he really knew what I was like, he wouldn't know us. Newsflash, he really knows what you're like. He really knows what you're like. I mean, really. But you are still dearly loved. You are still dearly loved. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. That That is our starting point. It says in Romans that God has poured out his love into our hearts. You may not feel like he has. You may feel like, I don't feel loved. I've never really known the love of a father. My father was absent or not great or, you know, we don't have a good relationship. You might be projecting some of that stuff onto what the heavenly father is like. But actually, you are dearly loved. That is the truth, the wonderful truth. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That is a description of agape love. It's really hard to do. To be patient, to be kind, to be humble and gentle. Most of us struggle with this stuff on a daily basis. But this is what we're being called up to. And it's not something that we can do in our own strengths. By trying hard and just being good. And that's the point. The point is we're not meant to be trying hard and being good. The point is we're meant to be leaning in to being like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we cannot do it in our own strength. You now, You can try to be good, it doesn't last long. I can do about five minutes, to be honest. And then I get in the car Behind the, the wheel, and I start feeling all impatient and cross and grumpy. That all the other drivers in Bristol—they're terrible. But actually, even that, I can drive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh no, I won't go there. Okay, moving on. Verse 13: Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is a description of Jesus, and what he's asking us to live like too. You know, in Matthew Matthew 5, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And what he is calling us to is not just loving people that we like, or who are kind to us, or who are nice to us, or who we get on with, but he's calling us to love our enemies. Literally, the people who we may feel are against us, the people who misjudge us, The people who say unkind things to us. The people who have wronged us. The people who we feel are literally properly against us. Jesus is not saying it's okay to hate those people. He's saying, oh no, you've got to love them and you've got to pray for them. Now I can think of two people in my life that I consider kind of enemies now, I'm saying that not to kind of like, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying that to illustrate, I guess, that we all have people in our life that we do not get on with or who have wronged us and who are against us or who have been against us or against those that we love. We all have those people. But what Jesus is calling us to is to love them, is to go beyond what is natural and normal for us and to love them and pray for them and bless them and to forgive them. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. He's saying, don't just be like everybody else. Go beyond what is normal. Go beyond what is natural to you and love those who are different from you, who are against you. You know, that colleague that has kind of wronged you, that neighbor who is really irritating, that person in your family that always knows exactly what to say to put you down and to judge you, and to misjudge you, that person in your life, it's just like a kind of a nagging voice. He's not asking you to hate them, he's asking you to love them. How do we do this? I want to just mention two things quickly before we go into communion. Firstly, love starts with God. Love starts with God. 1 John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. And Romans 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts. The starting place for loving others is being loved by God. Receiving his love and knowing that he loves you so much and he's poured so much into you. Even though you're like all over the shop a lot of the time. And, you know, not kind of doing what you should do and doing what you shouldn't do. But actually Jesus wants to pour his love into your lives, into my life. So that it's like a a flow. It comes in and it goes out. It comes in and it goes out. It's like our lives are meant to be this reservoir that never runs dry, that doesn't need a hosepipe ban. It's always filling up, all of the time, which means that as it's filling up, we can share it with those that we meet, that we hear about, that we're interacting with, even our enemies. It's not meant to start with us, it's meant to start with him. Now, I'm aware that on Father's Day, it touches lots of nerves, like Mother's Day does. But for those of us that have maybe had a difficult relationship with our Father, it can be really difficult to access the love that the God our Father wants to give us. And so when we get to communion in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to have some prayer ministry, which is what we love to do here. We love praying for people. We believe it's an opportunity for God to really meet with people. And so if that's, if you're, that's something that you're kind of thinking about today, I'd really encourage you to come forward and get some prayer. One of our prayer ministers would love to pray and bless you. Because our hearts get blocked. Our hearts get furred up like my mum. Our hearts get restricted and kind of get small. And we cannot allow the flow of God through us if our heart is tight. It's tough. It's constricted. And if you know that there's something like that going on in your heart, today is the day to deal with it and to ask the Holy Spirit to meet you. Secondly, love is practical and it's proximate. Love is not just a feeling or an emotion. Love is just not eros that kind of wades in and falls in love. Love is proximate. It gets down and gets dirty. It gets mucky. It gets gritty. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your strength and heart and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Maybe we can get our heads around loving God, as as hard as that is sometimes. But loving our neighbor as ourselves, that's a tricky one, isn't it? And Jesus tells this really great parable called the Parable of the Good Samaritan. And what happens is this guy sets out from Jerusalem to Jericho on a journey. He gets beaten up and um, really is in a bad way. He's left lying on the floor. A religious person comes from Jerusalem on the same journey and he sees him this religious person maybe like you and me he sees him and crosses over and and leaves him there he can't get dirty he doesn't want to be defiled by that somebody else will deal with it and then another religious person comes along a Levite this time a priest and a Levite you know they are holy and he walks past as well and then another guy comes along he's a Samaritan he's a Samaritan he's an enemy of the Jews they don't get on and what does he do? He gets down in the dirt. He binds up his wounds. I was reading it again this morning. He says he puts him on his donkey. He doesn't get somebody else to do it. He does it. He meets the need that is in front of him. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to an inn and he cares for him and he pays money to meet his need. It's a really beautiful, profound parable. and The more you read it, the more you sort of see things in it that Jesus is trying to teach. He's an enemy, and yet he cares for his enemy. He's not like him, and yet he cares for someone who isn't like him. He puts himself in a vulnerable position to care for somebody else. He goes beyond his own natural boundaries, his own comfort to step into somebody else's pain and discomfort. He goes towards the need than steps away from the need. Love is, gets proximate. Chris Kandai was speaking at a conference on Saturday about being, Bristol being a city of hope. And Chris gives this example of, you know, we've got to get proximate with people. If you want to understand what life is like to be a refugee, you get to know a refugee. If you want to know what it's like to be someone who's grown up in foster care, or who's been adopted, you get to know somebody. Maybe even you think about fostering. You get proximate to the situation that you want to try and care about. If you want to know what it's like to be a new person walking through those doors every Sunday, and how hard it can be to even walk through, get to know a new person. Join the newcomers team. Join the welcome team. Serve refreshments. If you want to know what it's like to be a kid in church, in our culture growing up, In this crazy world that we live in, get to know a kid. If you want to know what it's like to be a woman that is working in the massage parlours in Bristol. Dealing with men coming through their doors. Volunteer with Beloved. I found myself knocking on the door of a massage parlour about eight years ago, thinking, what am I doing here? I have no idea how to do this. I've got nothing in common with these women and I feel like I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to just kind of do it all wrong. But I cared that women were having to sell themselves for sex. I wasn't okay with that. I didn't know how to solve it. I didn't know what part I could play, but I found someone that did know and I joined in with what they were doing. Love gets proximate, it gets practical, it rolls up its sleeves. And we cannot, all of us, meet all the needs in this city. We cannot meet all the needs of our neighbours. We cannot meet all the needs that come through at us every day. But we need to step towards a need, a person, a situation. That's what we're called to. I want to end by just reading this passage from 1 Corinthians 13. It's often read at weddings, but actually it shouldn't be left to weddings because it's a brilliant passage. And what I want us to do is to read it ourselves, just quietly in our own minds. But what I want you to do is to replace the word love with your name. It's going to come up on the screen. Replace your your name where it says love and just read it through for a moment. Some of us here need to experience God's love this morning. That's where you're at today. Maybe you feel a bit lukewarm, a bit numb, a bit kind of like your heart feels it's like that. It's blocked. You need a stent. Some of us need to receive it, receive God's love into your heart today into your mind, into your soul. Some of us are being called to step out, I think. You've had something on your mind that you think, oh, it's not okay. But you talk yourself out of it, maybe. Or you think, oh, what can I do? I don't know what to do. I think some of us are being called to step out and to step into something new, to get practical, to get proximate. And I think some here are being asked to love love beyond what you think you can do. And I think forgiveness is a key in that. You think, I can't forgive that person because it's too hard. I can't love that enemy because they've wronged me too much. And they may have wronged you. They probably have. They do, they, they have sort of provoked something in you that needs forgiving. But if you don't forgive and you don't love and you don't, try to take steps towards what Jesus is calling you to do that becomes a blockage that limits what God wants to do and can do through you when you sort of tighten up and say no I'm not going to do that it leads to freedom when we forgive and when we do what Jesus called us to I'm going to finish and pray so maybe just close your eyes I'm going to hand back to Dave says in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. You're already here, but I'm just giving you another invitation, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to pour out your love into our hearts this morning. You know the disposition of our hearts today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and we welcome you to do what only you can do in us and through us. Give us courage where it means stepping towards pain and suffering and difficulty. Take away the lie of the enemy which says you can't forgive, you can't love your enemy, you can't do that, and replace it with the truth that you have called us to live like you, Jesus, and you've given us your Holy Spirit to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Rachel, thank you so much for sharing with us and encouraging our hearts.